Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. How many people say that after this camp, I will never be the same. I will be more joyful. We should be more joyful. The topic of this camp is rejoice always. Amen? Being joyful should be a trademark of believers. Amen? We should not have a long face and look serious and look very sad. We should be full of joy all the time. No matter what happened, we just have Good sense of humor. We have fun together. Amen? That is the characteristic of the believers, of the born-again Christians. Hallelujah. Let me share the Word of God with you tonight because I don't want to go too late. We, have to, we will lay hand on people. It's going to take some time to lay hand on people as well. This morning, we have learned from the life of the Apostle Paul that he and Barnabas went to preach in a city. And the Jews rejected the gospel. But the Gentiles received the good news. And when they had faith, the Bible said that they were glad. Faith is the beginning of joy in our life. Many of you might not have known me before I became a Christian. Before I became a Christian, I was against Jesus. I put my fist up against church because I grew up in the community that we do not believe in God. And I look back in my old picture before I became a Christian. Pastor Da's friend told her that when I took picture with an elephant in Thailand, the elephant looked more handsome than me. Because I did not have any smile on my face. I was very intense, very grouchy, and unhappy all the time. I remember one time, at that time we were boyfriend, girlfriend, and we did, I did not have a car. So we were sitting in the bus. Everywhere in Bangkok, we were sitting in a bus. So I was sitting there, and Pastor Da turned to me and looked at my face. I was so depressed. And she was talking to herself, what in the world? I chose this man to be my boyfriend. He looked so serious. He looked unhappy. But thank God, God blinded her eyes at that time. But after I became a Christian, I become happier. I smile more, happier more, laugh more. And uh, enjoy life more because the faith of God in me make me have peace and joy. We learned this morning that faith also leads us to have hope. And the biblical meanings of hope is not just I wish I could have it. But it means confident expectation. Faith is about now. I have faith now that I receive what God promised me. 
But hope is the confident expectation of what gonna happen in the future. We cannot have hope without faith. Faith comes first. When we have faith in the promise of God, then we have the hope or the confident expectation of what we're gonna get in the future. I remember when I first came to the U.S. after the end of first year, my boss called me in. At that time, I was at the University of Washington because I'm a foreign doctor. I did not graduate from in America, so they signed a contract with me one year. And before the end of first year, my boss called me in and said, "You know, Mum is my nickname. Mum, next year." It's up to you. You can stay, or you can go home. But if you stay, your salary is zero. We don't have any budget for you. I came home. I admitted to you, I'm sad, because I either pack my luggage to go back to Thailand, or I stay with zero salary. Then my wife spoke to me, "Mom, you remember God say." He even feed the birds in the air. You remember in the past, he has been taking care of us. He never forsake us. Why you have to worry? Just trust God. Oh, the words from my wife's mouth really wake me up and say, "Yes, I have the God of miracles. I have supernatural God, my provider." Jehovah Jireh, He will perform miracles to help me. I began to smile and happy again. The sadness left my mind right away, and I say, "Okay, I'm gonna trust God." So I signed the contract that, okay, zero salary, fine, but I believe God will take care of me, and I will not be hungry. Because I want to finish my training at University of Washington, and God perform miracles. When you have faith that He has already provided, you have received the miracle. So I have confident expectation that the provision would come in the future. I never forgot that day. I was washing my hand at the Veteran Hospital. I was a second year resident. And washing my hands to get into the surgery, and suddenly my junior resident came to me to help me, and he said, "Mom, I had a good news for you. What? What is the good news? Because our boss fired the chief resident. He got fired, and now the boss told me you're going to be the chief resident, replace that man." The second in command, and you will get the salary again. I say hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God takes care of your need. Amen. We need to walk by faith every single day, no matter what circumstances are. The God of Abraham and Isaac, still the God of the supernatural breakthroughs. And he can perform miracles in every way for us, so we can trust him. We can have faith in him, and when we have faith, we can have peace in our heart. 
We can have the joy on our face, on our eye contacts, on our voice. Amen. In the book of Philippians, chapter one, verse twenty-five, and being confident of this, everyone say confident, confident. having faith. I know that I shall remain. Paul said, "I know I will not die soon. I shall remain and continue with you, all for your progress." You no, know, our life, our life of faith is the life of progression. Every year we grow in faith, we grow in love, we grow in joy and peace and anointing and power. Paul said, "I'm going to stay so that you will grow and progress in what." Progress and joy of faith. Joy is related to faith. There is no such a person who say that I am a believer and I'm full of faith, but depressed all the time. There is no such person. If you are the real believer and you have a strong faith. You will smile, happy, singing songs, dance, jump up and down, and be happy all the time. Joy is the manifestation of faith in action. Do you know that doubt, despairs, complains, and is sad, but faith rejoices, gives thanks. And is glad. How can we tell a believer is full of unbelief and doubt when you look at how he talk? If he complains all the time, he is negative, sad, and grieve all the time. He doesn't have much faith. But when the believer has so much faith, you're gonna hear the word, "Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm happy." I rejoice because the person who has a lot of faith always have confident expectation. Good things gonna happen, no matter what negative happen right now. Things gonna go well eventually. The chapter is not done yet. Right now we may face problem that look impossible, but God can take us out from that problem. God can give us victory eventually. We have faith in the promise of God. We have faith in the character, the faithfulness of God. Why we have to be sad? We can rejoice all the time. Amen. Our God is the God of hope. Romans chapter fifteen verse thirteen say, "Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing." When you have faith, when you believe in God, He will pour joy and also peace into your heart, until you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith ignite the power of God, make the Holy Spirit work in us to give us the joy of the Spirit, to to give us the peace of God. Amen. Remember, the Bible say the kingdom of God is not of eating or drinking, but peace and joy and righteousness of the Holy Ghost. So, when you so full of faith, the Holy Spirit will work in you 
to make you so full of peace, full of joy and righteousness. In my faith mobile, I need to tune it up all the time. I have a faith mobile, not automobile. I have a faith mobile that go down the road of life. And in my faith mobile, there are two gauges that I need to keep my eyes on them off and on. You know, in your trucks or in your car, there are a few gauges in front of you. Is that right? And you have to look at them. And one of the gauges there is E and F. F full, E empty. So if you keep driving your car. And the gauge come down to almost E, and you keep driving and driving and ignoring that gauge E. Eventually, that gauge gonna go below E, and when it go below E and you don't stop, your car gonna be quiet and stop running because your car runs out of gas. Is that right? I have the habit. That every time I get into my wife's car, I will look at that gauge, and even she has only half tank full, I will say, "Honey, I'm gonna drive out to fill it up for you," because I don't want her car to have the gas empty. It happened one time, <laughs> so never happen again. At one point, our car has a container. And we have the gas in there because we don't want that to happen again. We have to call somebody to help us to get the gas. In your faith mobile, you better keep your eyes on the two gauges. One gauge called your joy gauge. The other gauge we call your peace gauge. How do you know that your tank is full of the gas called faith? How do you know that you're so full of faith? You remember the Bible say, "We are in the world. We face trouble in the world, and we overcome the world. Mean the trouble in the world by faith. When you have faith, you always have victory in life. No matter what it is, sickness, finances, family breakdown, traveling, your job, your business, whatever. If you have faith." You can have victory when your gauge, your joy gauge, is high at F. It means that you have a lot of faith. So when I look at people's face and people walk around, start to think, how is their tank right now? I think their faith must be very dim, very close to E. Amen. And another one is the gauge of peace, the gauge of peace. When you have strong faith, you have so much joy and peace, and you face a challenge or a trial. That trial looks so small, like a piece of cake. But the same trial that another person has little faith, it looks so big. Cry and just complain and run away from church and because oh this is so big I cannot handle this. The same trial, 
But one person say, "No big deal, a piece of cake." But another person, the same trial, cry and cry and cry for many days. The same hill that the faith mobile have to go through. There, are, there is different kind of response. There is a man named Don Doubt. His vehicle is out of gas all the time. Mr. Don Doubt never took care of his car. His car was not tuned up. His fate mobile never have tuned up. He forgot to. Put the gas of faith in his faith mobile all the time, and one day he was driving on the road, and he came to a hill. So he looked at the hill. Wow, this is a big hill. So he was driving his car up the hill slowly, but the gauge came to almost E. By the time it went up to the half of the hill, the tank was empty. So the car start to shake, and then stop. And he put the brake on and say, "Wow, how are we gonna get over this hill?" He tried to push his fate mobile. Tried to push. He was tired. Then he called some neighbor. Could you please come and help me push my car? Go over the hill to to go to that town. So many people came out. Help him to push the car. It took about six hours to get all the way to the town. And when it went to the town, he got to the fate fuel station. And the people in that station say, "Wow, thank you for coming here. What happened to you?" He said, "Wow, that terrible hill. It took me six hours to come. You know that is nightmare." I cry and cry, and very difficult for me to pass over that hill. Don't go to that hill, please. Everyone in the village say in the town say, "Wow, that hill was tough. It's a rough road." Listen to this guy. But another man came. His name is Faith Victory. The first man named Don Doubt. I hope you don't name Don first name. I don't pick you up, okay? <laughs> I just try to meet, match DD. Another person named Faith Victory. He always have his car tuned up all the time. He got rid of all the cobwebs and all the junk out of his gas tank and engine. He always get rid of the weight from the car, the sins out of the of his life. He always tune up his car. He obeyed the Lord Jesus. He served the Lord. He always pray in tongue. His V8 engine was humming and strong all the time. He built up his holy faith by praying in tongue all the time. He listened to the good sermon, anointed sermon to build his faith all the time. He always go to church, build his faith up. And he came onto the same road as Mr. Don Doubt, and he came to that hill, and he saw the hill, and he talked to himself, "Hill, you are nothing before my Almighty God." Amen. 
I counted all joy when I faced all kinds of trial. I just slept on the pedal, the gas pedal, and my car gonna go through. I'm gonna go up the hill with singing praises toward the Lord. I have faith. Glory to God. Thank be to Jesus that He always give me triumph and victory. So he pulled his car up on the hill, and he stepped on the gas, and within three minutes, shoot, he got to the other side. He went down and went to the same town and parked in the same Fayetteville station. He got out of his car, and the people say, "Wow, welcome to this town. Where did you come from? Oh, I just came from another town. I just passed that hill." That terrible hill? Oh no! Many people told us that it was so awful. It took all day to pass that hill. They need three or four people to push the car, the Fate Mobile, and Mr. Fate Victory say, "That hill? What you talking about? I did not struggle at all. It took me only three minutes to pass over the hill." Amen. How many people want me to give you the name Don Doubt? Raise your hand up. How many people want me to give you the name Faith Victory? Those who don't raise hand, what do you mean? I ask one more time. How many people want to have the nickname Faith Victory? Amen. You want to be that kind of person that no matter what circumstances, you always have joy, you always have peace, and you have victory. It is the same hill. All of us have experienced similar hardships and temptations and trials. The reason that the trials seem to be very big for some person and very little for some person. Is the condition of your heart the same hills, the same trials, but somebody not a big deal. Sometimes I give counseling to pastor from another city. The pastor call, oh, you know, I'm worried. This happened in my church. Wow, people really give us a hard time. They take out about five people out of my church. I could not sleep. I know right away this is a young pastor. Still have to go through life. Still need to learn the lesson of faith. And I say, don't worry. Everything will be okay. God will take care. Just love. Just praise God. Don't worry. Everything gonna be fine. We have confident expectation that Jesus will build His church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Amen. I don't want to be Mr. Don Doubt. I want to be Mr. Faith Victory. In order for us to have victory in life, we must stand in faith. We must build faith up. We must not yield to depression and fear, because depression and fear will make us weak, will make us slow and ineffective. How many people agree with me? When you're depressed. You slow. When you depress, you are weak. Is that right? When you depress, 
you are ineffective to do anything. Actually, depression causes you to be sick too. When you're depressed, you can be sick physically. But the Bible said the joy of the Lord, ha ha ha, ho ho ho, he he he, is your strength. People who are depressed cannot be strong spiritually. If you want to be strong spiritually, you need to have faith and joy. I always tell people that, as a Christian like me, I'm a Christian. I'm a dad. I'm a surgeon. I'm a pastor. I look at myself as a martial art guy, but not martial art with all kind of weapon like this. Have you ever watched Bruce Lee like this and have something fighting, Jackie Chan or Donnie Yen? You know, I look at myself as a martial art guy that I have my weapon, and my weapon is faith. Joy and peace. So when the devil want to touch me, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. When the devil want to hit me in the back, go away. By the way, I'm third degree back bell. That's why I know I know how to kick back. <laughs> you have faith. You need to fight by faith. You need to be strong. And you can be strong when you have a lot of faith in you. Again, there is no such a thing that a person who is depressed can be strong spiritually at the same time. How many people want to be strong spiritually? What do you need to have? Faith and joy. You cannot be strong and you cannot be depressed at the same time. If you want to be strong, you need to have faith and joy in your heart. Amen. A lot of people think that they are strong spiritually, but they are too somber. They are very intense. Hallelujah! <laughs> Praise the Lord. God bless you. Hallelujah. I am a strong Christian. Don't do that. You sin against God. Very intense, very serious. They read a lot of scriptures, and they pray a lot. Pray all the time, fast and pray, and they read a lot of scripture. But their prayer is in vain. No answer from God. You know why? Because they pray out of doubt. They pray out of religion. They don't have faith at all. They just pray out of religion. They read the Bible, but they read the Bible with the wrong spiritual eyes. So all of their focus in the Bible is sin, judgment, ooh, killing, demons, Satan. They always focus on the negative thing. They never think about God's goodness, God's forgiveness. The goodness of God, the forgiveness of God—they always focus on the negative thing, and they are so sad and depressed. I sin. Oh, the devil gonna hit me now. Oh, God will not forgive this my sin. Oh, may I may go to hell. They're so negative. 
because they don't have faith in the goodness and the blessing of God. They always think about the judgment of God, but they think they have so much faith. That is religion. To always think that way. Look at the Bible in a negative way. Look very depressed, but still pray all the time and read the Bible all the time. We should believe that God is a good God. He is the healer. He is the provider. He heals you. He is a miracle worker. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is your father. You are the apple of his eyes. He's the God of Abraham. He blessed Abraham, and we are the children of Abraham. We shall be blessed as well. He is the God of favor. He gives us a shield of favor to protect us from accident. He gives us favor that your, our boss will give us a favor. My patient, give me the favor. Amen. We have to believe that God is a good God. And God can provide for us. Amen. I will not be settled down in the area of doubt, depression, frustration, anxiety, and worry. Because if I settle down in that area, I shall be weak and I cannot get the blessing from God. Because doubt cannot receive anything from God. We receive all the things from God by faith. Amen. How many people believe God is able to heal? How many people believe that God is able to provide? How many people believe that God is able to strengthen you? Amen. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slack. This scripture explains the will of God. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any, that even one person, he's not willing that even one person should perish, but all should come to repentance. It's not God's will at all that even one person will perish spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and family-wise. He does not want even one person to be poor and broke, sick, die sooner than age, or go to hell. He doesn't want anyone to perish. His will is to save, to heal, to bless, to protect, to deliver. But we need to repent. Our part is to repent, but his part is to heal, to bless, to help us. But the question is, why doesn't everybody get healing? Why doesn't everybody get saved? Why? Because not everybody has faith. Not everybody is willing to receive his help. Jesus wants to save everybody. He died for every single person on this planet Earth to forgive their sin, to take the curse on his body and exchange with the blessing. He took the death on his body so that we can have life. But how we can receive that from Jesus? By faith. Is that right? Many times while Jesus was walking on earth, he said this way, your faith has made you whole. Not his faith. Their faith has made them whole. 
how we gonna get saved, how God gonna heal us. He already healed us as actually through Jesus, but we receive healing through faith. Therefore, we need to build our faith. Amen. Definitely, people die and leave this world every single day. And as believers, we must be ready to go home. No one gonna be here for eternity in this planet Earth. One day we all gonna die. Have you ever seen anybody who was born in 17th century? Raise your hand up. Anyone have met? Okay. How many people think that you're gonna be here on Earth 200 years from now? Anyone? No. One day we're gonna die. But while we are living on Earth, we expect victory. And faith gives us victory. People always say this way: "You are not ready to live until you are ready to die." In other words, every single day we don't know we have tomorrow, so we should live a life in such a way that we are ready to meet Jesus the next minute, all the time. And not only that, we don't even know when Jesus is going to return to the earth. He will come like a thief. No one knows the time. He may come show up tomorrow. Who knows? So we should be ready to meet him any time. Amen. So people die, but while we are living on earth, we need to walk by faith, have victory by faith. Now this is the problem. While we are living on earth, we try to preach the gospel, tell people about Jesus, and some people say, "No, I don't want the gospel. I don't want Jesus in my life." And you begin to feel sad. You feel the burden. Oh, they don't receive the gospel. You lose your sleep. Or maybe you hear you lay hand on your friend who got sick. Maybe somebody has cancer. You lay hand on that person who has cancer, but that person is not healed. You begin to carry the burden of seeing people lost, sick. Taken advantage by the devil, by demon, on your shoulder, and you begin to get sad and depressed, and you begin to lose your joy because you take all the burden of the whole world onto you. When you witness to somebody, maybe you witness to ten people, they all say, "No, no, no! I don't want Jesus. I don't care about heaven and hell. I don't care about salvation." I don't care about God, but actually they should care, because we did not come from monkey. Is that right? You know, evolution is not the truth; it's just an idea. No one has proven that evolution is the truth. No one, even in the scientific way, evolution is a lie. It's the idea. God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. Turn to the person next to you. Do they look like monkey? I don't think so. You do look like monkey. If evolution is real, there would be half monkey and half human right now. In fact, the scientists already discovered that all the skull that they think that is a pecking man. 
the skull that they think is a half monkey and half man. Now the scientists already discovered all those bones are monkey bone, not man. So it's not true. We were created by God. We should believe in God. Amen. I always say like this. How many people have a smartphone? Raise your hand up. Is a smartphone wonderful? Oh, wow. It's so wonderful that now in the operating room, in the lunchtime, when I sit in the lounge, everyone like this. No nurse, no doctor talk to each other anymore. Everyone just sit in the lounge looking at the smartphone all the time. You think the smartphone came from evolution? You think the smartphone came from something very unorganized and expand quickly? Is it happened that way? How did it come about? Some designer. Somebody designed a smartphone and make it to happen. Your body is more complex than the smartphone. It's impossible that this complex human being come from like this and become a human being. It will be more chaotic when something like this come out like this. Amen? We were created by God. Amen? So there is the living God. Amen. So when people don't accept Christ, don't accept God, they don't get healed, don't put that decision on your shoulder. Maybe you witness to 100 people or 99 people. And all 99 people say, no, I don't care. But one person you witness, he received Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says. When 99 people say no to God and one person accept Christ, Luke chapter 15, 3 to 7, so he spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. You notice one thing? Rejoicing. When somebody believes and put faith in God, God rejoices, saying to them, Rejoice with me. Faith is related to joy. For I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just person. People who say, oh, I don't need God. I'm fine. And I will rob a bank, you know, and I will kill anybody. I don't need God. But actually, the Bible says everyone is a sinner. Let me ask this question. Anyone in this room never lies, raise your hand up. I cannot raise my hand. You never lie even one time in your life, raise your hand up. How many people in this room never hate somebody? Raise your hand up. Okay. So everyone is a sinner. Is that right? But people who say they are not sinner, they're just person who need no repentance. So clear. God say that if people don't want Jesus, don't want God, don't be sad about it. 
Don't put that on your shoulder. You should celebrate when one person accepts Jesus Christ. But if another 20 people they don't want, too bad. I come to this point of my life. My job is to preach. My job is to help. But it's their own decision. I cannot force anybody to follow God or to believe in God. My job is to show example, to tell them the truth, and they have to make their own decision. But this is the problem. Sometime after we witness, we lay hand on the sick, we try to help people, and nothing has gone well so far. The enemy will condemn us saying, wow, if you know more the Bible, if you have more faith, if you have more anointing, they would be healed. He will start to condemn you and you begin to think, oh, poor me. I'm not good enough. No, don't listen to the devil. Please, okay? Sure, we need to develop our Christian life. We need to build our faith. We need to seek more anointing. We should know the Bible. We should go out and preach the gospel. We should lay hand on the sick. We should use the power that God gave to us to help other people. But if nothing happened, don't be depressed. Don't blame yourself. Don't lose your joy. You have done your best. You don't blame yourself. You know why? Because you don't know everything about that person. You don't know what's going on behind the scene. You can pray for somebody who's sick. He doesn't get healed. Don't blame yourself. Because it is up to him to get healed or not. Not to you. It's up, up to her whether he wants, she wants salvation or not. It's not up to you. Your job is to pray for, to love, to tell them the truth. Don't lose your joy when your prayer for other people don't get answered. Don't blame yourself. You do the best you can. Don't yield to depression. Don't yield to condemnation. Amen? We do the best we can to pray every day, to study the Bible, to know the Word of God. But we should not pray in depression, study the Word of God in depression. I remember when I started the church many years ago, I began to get depressed because many problems happened in the church. This is like 20-something years ago. I began to get depressed and I feel that I want to give up. And God told me, Son, if you have done your best, why you have to be depressed? It's my church. You are not the one who built my church. I am the one who built my church. You just obey me. You just do what I tell you to do. You just rejoice. You should be happy that you can serve me. Then I repented right away and said, Oh, it's real. This is not my church. This is his church. I just do my job. And he's the one who built the church. So after that, I repented and I came to church and I smiled and happy. I don't blame myself anymore. I do the best I can. I don't want to lose joy and peace. I'm going to build a church by faith. Amen? Everyone say, I'm not 
a healer. Everyone say, I'm not a savior. So it's not your job to blame yourself because you are not the healer. Who is the healer? Jesus. Who is the savior? Jesus. So when you witness and people don't get saved, should we blame ourselves? I tell you, to heal somebody and to save somebody is too big a job we can do. Only God can do it. The only thing we can do is to pray for them, love them, lay hand and pray for them. The rest is done by the Lord. Amen? So don't put that pressure on you at all. Amen? But sometimes people quote this scripture and get sad. In Ezekiel chapter 33 verses 4 to 6. Ezekiel chapter 33, 4 to 6. Then if anyone hears the trumpet, trumpet means warning, but does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes his life, his blood will be on his own head. This is true in my pastoral life. Sometimes I warn somebody about the wrong thing they have been doing for many, many months, many years. And the Lord warned them, and they don't want to repent. Eventually, the sword means the punishment. The judgment comes. Even though God is very long-suffering, He's slow to anger. But by the justice of God, if you don't repent and keep doing something wrong long enough, eventually the judgment will come. So please, if God warned you something, repent ASAP. Don't get into trouble, okay? Since he heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning, his blood will be on his head. If he had taken warning, he would have saved himself. If you repent right away, you can get out of the trouble. As I read 2 Peter 3, 9 a while ago, God doesn't want anyone to perish, but come to repentance. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes the life of one of them, and that man will be taken away because of his sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. This is the part that a lot of people get depressed about it. When they read this scripture, Ooh, I need to fly to every country in the world. I need to witness to everyone who walk on the street. I'm going to go to everybody that I notice that they're sinning and tell them in front of their face, You're sinning. You need to repent right now. They're going to go and confront everybody on earth. And when people don't repent, they get upset. And they get depressed. They actually, they don't love people. They do that because of, out of guilt. Because they don't want God to punish them that they don't blow the trumpet to warn people. So they take the job of the watchman over the whole world. Over every household in the world. And over every church in the world. But actually the scripture here, what it means... It means this way. When God speaks to you to warn somebody, 
you need to obey him. You don't warn everybody that come along the road. I don't have a job to correct the members of another church. Are you listening to me? I don't have a job to walk into the hospital and call all the nurses and and doctors and say you are wrong. You have to repent like this. No. I would do only when God tell me to talk to somebody. Sometimes Christians misunderstand the scripture, confront everybody, point finger, you're wrong, act like a watchman, and that people hate this person because you don't have the right to warn them anyway. You need to gain the right to warn people. Is that right? Will you be happy if somebody walked to you and they don't even know you? Never feed you. Never buy a drink for you. And point to your face and say, you are wrong. You're going to go to hell. You think you're going to like that? No. You can do only when God tells you to do. And only when you have relationship. To be able to talk. And you need to find the right time. And the right place. And the right moment. By the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't condemn anybody. You just tell them the truth with love and stop. And no condemnation. Because condemnation doesn't come from God. This is how I live. When God tells me to talk to somebody about their problems, I will find the right timing, the right place, and we'll talk about it gently. And then the rest, I will Cast my cares on the Lord. And say now, I have done my best. Now it's between them and God. I will not hold grudges against that person if he doesn't want to turn around because I'm not their God. They are not my people. I'm just a human being. I'm a servant of God. No one belongs to me and I don't own anybody. I don't have the right to judge anybody or to hate anybody or to be upset with anybody. My job is to love people and warn out of love and mercy. And then the rest I give to the Lord. Amen? Amen. And sometimes people don't get healed because they have so many problems in their life that they haven't repented. You pray for them and when they're still sick, it's not your business. You just pray and then back off and let, let God deal with that person. Amen? We don't have the right to be the judge on anybody. We just love people. And after you have done your best to teach, to warn, to correct, to pray for people, what is the next step? You cast the rest of your care upon the Lord. And then enjoy your salvation. Don't look sad. Don't be grumpy. Don't be upset, bitter. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You don't listen to me. I'm mad at you right now. I'm upset. You don't listen to my warning right now. You ruined my life. (laughs) Enjoy your salvation. You want them, and then it's between them and the Lord. And sometimes we even correct people 
out of a misunderstanding. Sometimes people email me and say, "You know, Pastor Lau, you do this, you're wrong." Oops, you misunderstand me. It's totally different context. So you have to be careful when you correct people because you don't know the whole story yet. You see what I mean? Sometimes I get email from another country and people say, "You do this, you do that," and I say, "You know, I you you totally misunderstand me." So it's not our business to judge anybody, to really get mad anybody. Everyone say, "Enjoy my salvation." If you are upset, bitter, sad, depressed, frustrated, grouchy, grumpy, complaining, fighting faults, critical, judgmental, and you call yourself a Christian, I want to say that you are a misnomer of the word Christian. That is the reason you understand what the word misnomer means. It means you misname yourself. Because a lot of folks, listen carefully, a lot of people don't want to become a Christian. A lot of people don't want to go to church because they notice that their relative and friend who call themselves Christians are grumpy, judgmental, critical, sad, upset, tight, serious, religious, talk about hell all the time, talk about sin all the time. Very grumpy and fault findings, and they say, "I don't want to be around you. You are a bad witness." Being a Christian, you should be loving. We should be joyful, forgiving, happy, full of joy. Amen. Full of grace. We should be so full of mercy. And people come around us. Wow, he enjoy his life so much. He always smile and happy. I want to go to church with you. Everyone say no grumpy. Not be critical. Not be judgmental. Not be fault finding. Not be sad. Not be mad. Not be upset. Not be depressed, worried, anxious, frustrated. We should be happy, enjoy life. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord doesn't want us to be grumpy, to be depressed, to be judgmental. We should rejoice always. We get the word in. We get the anointing. We go out and tell people about Jesus and smile and be happy and forgiving and loving. We help people. We greet people. We feed people. We show love. We we cast all the cares. If people don't respond, just walk away and cast all the care toward the Lord, and God will take care of them. And we just continue to enjoy our salvation. It's not our responsibility to save anybody. It's not our responsibility to heal anybody. It is res- his responsibility to heal people. Our job is to witness, encourage, pray, lay hand, bless them, pray for them. That's it. Many Christians never enjoy life. Many Christians never have vacation. They are so serious and mess up all the time. 
They look so spiritual, sober. They have no joy. They have no peace. They walk around with the eyes of magnifying glass. Your shoes are not polished. Your shirt and your pants don't match. You don't comb your hair. Oh, your lipstick is off. Oh, everywhere. Oh, I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy. You don't sing the song the way I sing. You don't eat rice. You eat bread. I'm not happy. Fighting faults everywhere, looking for some mistake all the time. Lack peace, lack joy. No, Christian, you be happy, enjoy life, love people. Look at the good part of people. No one is perfect. Can I share with you something about being a pastor? Okay, this is a pastor heart. I share with you. One day God speak to me like this. Son, it's not your job to find faults. It's not your job to be frustrated about people's weaknesses. You don't get frustrated when you see people have problems, weaknesses, and make mistakes. It's not your job. It's your job just to be example, to teach the word, and to put the Holy Spirit in them. Because the one who's going to change them to stop doing something that they should not have done is the Holy Spirit, not you. Your job is not to judge, to get mad at people. Your job is to love, pray, be example, share the good news, share the word, love them, and pray that the Holy Spirit will work His grace in their life. That's it. And I see that in the past 38 years. People change. People grow up. People who used to do bad things, they stop doing bad things on their own, not me. Why? The Holy Spirit changed them. Helped them to stop doing wrong things. I'm not the judge. God is the one who worked in their life. Amen? Everyone say, being sad is not a good witness. Being sober, intense, my God loves you. It's not a good witness. Let me show you our Lord, and I'm going to finish here. Let me show you how Jesus looked like. This scripture is a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. Psalm 45 verse 7, you love righteousness, you mean the Father, and hate wickedness. Therefore God, I'm sorry, you mean Jesus, mean the Messiah. You mean Messiah, Jesus, love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore God, your God mean the Heavenly Father, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. 
Everyone say, oil of gladness. When the Holy Spirit is on you, you have joy. The anointing means the Holy Spirit. I believe if we could have gone back to 2018 years ago and sat around Jesus Christ, he was sitting there and we sitting here around him and listen to him, watching him. I believe that we would not feel intense. We would not feel worried that we're going to say something wrong for a few sentences. You're going to see his smile. He's happy. He's glad. He loved you. He hugged you. He prayed for you. His countenance will be so full of gladness and joy and happiness. You're not going to see a religious man walking around with the Bible. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> no. That is religion. That is the Pharisees and Sadducees and the wouldn't see and the couldn't see. <laughs> Jesus is going to walk around smiling, happy, hug the kids, enjoy talking to people. Because he's anointing. He has the anointing of gladness. It's fun, you know. It's fun to be around Jesus. He's fun to be around with. That is our God. He's not a religious man. He is not stoic. He's not grumpy. Yes, he was a man of sorrow for a short moments when he was arrested whipped the, th- the crowd of thorn on his head people spat on him hit him ridicule him nail him on the cross for a few hours but before that time he was a happy laughing man and after that the cross he was raised from the dead and he went up to heaven and he is at the right hand of the Father. And I believe if you can see Jesus in heaven right now, he is still smiling, praying for you, loving you. His eye will shine, the joy, the peace, the love, the faith on you. It's just a short moment that Jesus was a man of sorrow. Why he was taking all your sin and death and bondage into his life. He is a happy man. He was anointed by the oil of gladness. Amen? Amen. So if you are depressed right now, say, depression, get out of here. Don't yield to depression. You should repent if you keep being depressed. No, don't stay in depression. It doesn't help you. It makes you weak and ineffective And you are not a good witness for the Lord. Christians should be happy, smiling, singing, dancing, enjoy life, full of blessing, full of the grace of God. Don't yield to anxiety, depression. Don't say that that is spiritual. No, it's not spiritual. It's carnal to be depressed. It's carnal to be angry. It's 
the flesh to be always grumpy and complaining and bitter and hate people. Amen. We should be happy all the time. When we read the Bible, we read in faith. When we pray, we pray in faith. When we talk to our children about something, we talk by faith. When we're going to do something, we do it by faith. Every time I grab knife to cut on my patient, I say, God, I have faith you are with me right now. You're going to guide me every single second. Go up or down or left or right, how much bone I have to cut. I have faith that God is going to guide me every single step. We mix faith with everything we do. When you talk to your customer, you talk by faith. That God is going to lead you. If you have faith and confident expectation, you're going to be smiling and happy. You will not worry. Everyone say, mix with faith. All the time. Pray by faith. Read the Bible by faith. Husband, talk to my wife by faith. Wife, say, talk to my husband by faith. One more diamond ring. <laughs> the husband doesn't like me now. <laughs> <laughs> so after the, okay wife say one more time one more diamond ring and the husband say ha 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 <laughs> you know why you say ha 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 because you have faith that God going to give you money to buy <laughs> hallelujah Mix everything with faith. Sometimes you get into a situation and the, and the Lord shows you a scripture and He says, oh, this is the answer in the scripture. Mix that scripture with faith. God tells you to do something, mix it with faith. Believe Him and laugh and joyful and happy and have confidence, expectation that good things can happen. Get excited. Be glad. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Everything. When you face problem, have faith. God is going to take care of this for me. He is my deliverer. He is my helper. He is my fortress. He is the God of supernatural breakthrough. I'm excited to follow God. I believe in His promise. I believe that God shall supply all of my needs in His glory, in His riches by glory in Christ Jesus. I believe He is my healer. As I mentioned to you, a few years ago, I got severe eczema to the point that I have suffering when I perform surgery because the whole hands got hurt for many years. And I pray every morning, God, I command in the name of Jesus that this have to go away. But it did not go away. But I still have faith. I still smile and have faith and laugh and continue to stay in faith. And eventually, one morning I woke up, it's all gone. By faith. God is good. He's still the healer today. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. As I mentioned to you this morning already, that my patient came last Tuesday. I operated on her a few times, but after that, she used to suffer from this and that and that. She's a believer, and when she came in, we talk about medical thing only five minutes. Another twenty minutes, we talk about God. And I laugh and I smile and I say, "God is good, you know. He is wonderful." And I encourage her by faith and smiling and happy. I didn't even lay hand on her and pray for you. Her just I talk about how how good God is. And then yesterday she show up in my office and say, "I need to meet Doctor Lau." She did not have any appointment. And I walk out to meet her at the counter. She say, "I have to come and tell you." After Tuesday, I went home. I was totally healed. No more pain. No more suffering. And she even say, because God was in that clinic with us, and God healed me by faith. I have faith. She had faith. We talk about God, and we rejoice together. We laugh together. Amen. God is the amazing God. He can perform miracles, amen? amen. Hallelujah! Everyone say the oil. the oil. Everyone say anointing. anointing. The, oil the oil of gladness. gladness. When you are full of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna be happy, full of happiness, amen. amen. So tonight, when God touch you and God make you. Have the feeling of happiness inside. Don't push it down. Just go ahead and laugh. Just go ahead and be happy. Amen. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Holy Spirit as He pour the anointing, the oil of gladness upon Jesus. He can pour the oil of gladness on you as well. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The joy of the Lord is your strength. On the medical field, joy actually in the medical field, they already have the test, the real test in the patients. When people have a belly laughter, and they check blood, they check the immune system. The medical field find out that when people have a belly laughter or have joy, the growth hormone went up. Not abnormal, but it means you have your body will grow older slower. The immune system gets stronger. It means it's more difficult to get sick. Not only that, the Bible say the joy of the Lord is your strength, and the merry heart. Is the medicine. When you are happy all the time, you are not sick easily, and you get healed quickly. I told you one of the story in one of the sermon. I believe you remember one man was diagnosed have having cancer, final stage. The doctor say go home. You will die, no hope anymore. You will die in six months or less. The man got a tape, listening to a sermon, funny sermon. He laughed and laughed. Until the tapes torn, he got another tape, the same sermon, and he laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed, and he began to notice that the cancer in his stomach start to shrink and shrink and shrink. 
Six months later, he went back to his doctor. All gone. He was healed. That's amazing. That's why the Bible says, Murray heart is a medicine. How many people want to look young all the time? How many people want to look younger than age? People cannot tell that you are 70. You look like 35. Pastor Da look like 25. <laughs> she shook her head. <laughs> You're going to look younger than age. You rarely get sick. You're going to be healthy and strong when you have a merry heart, happy heart, laughing all the time, happy all the time. Your immune system will go up higher, stronger, hard for the virus to attack you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Before I pray for those who want me to pray for, I'd like to ask this question. How many of you want to make sure that after you leave this world, you will be in heaven for eternity? How many people want to go to heaven for eternity? Raise your hand up. You want to go to heaven? Yes. Amen? Yes. I tell you one more time. Heaven and hell are real. Many people have gone to heaven. Actually, one neurosurgeon in the East Coast, he is assistant professor of neurosurgery in the East Coast. He was a believer. He got a stroke and he died in the ICU. He went to heaven. He met Jesus. This is a neurosurgeon. He came back and he wrote a book. Something heaven. I don't remember the name. His name is Dr. Eben Alexander. He went to heaven and came back. And he woke up from death. And he wrote a book that he saw Jesus. He went to heaven. So many people have gone to heaven and come back. I listened to a testimony of a gynecologist. This man fell off the balcony, broke his head. He died. In the hospital, they already put the blanket on his head. He went up to heaven. He saw heaven that looked like what the Bible described. He met Jesus. He saw the angel. And then Jesus told him, I'm going to send you back. So he came back in that body. And he got out of the bed. And the doctor said, what? You have no EKG. Your heart, your your brain wave all gone. You die for sure, 100%. And he said, I went to heaven and I came back. And he is a doctor. He's a gynecologist. So many people witness heaven and hell. So many people went to hell and came back. God gave them another chance. And they came back and they became pastor. You know Pastor Kenneth Hagin? He went to hell before he got born again. He came back and he became a preacher. One preacher in New York. He was a gangster. This is the story he shared. He was a gangster in New York. He got shot by a gun. In the ambulance, he died. And he went to hell. But God sent him back and said, You see hell? You can have to come back and tell people about me. He woke up from death. He became a pastor in New York. Still preaching. (laughs) 
Let me ask you one more time. How many people want to go to heaven? Raise your hand up. Amen. Let's pray together. Follow my prayer. Father in heaven, I believe I did not come from monkey. I did not come from cows or dogs. I was created by you in your image. That's why I know how to love. I have the conscience. I know what is good, what is bad. Cows do not know. Monkeys do not know. But I know that lying is not good because I was created in the image of God. You are my God, the Creator, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Creator of the universe. You send your Son Jesus Christ into the world two thousand years ago. He died on the cross. He bore my iniquities and my infirmities. He took my pain. He carried my sickness. He died my death. He took my curse, and He gave me life. Thank you, Lord. Through Jesus Christ, I am forgiven. I admit, Lord, I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. My name is recorded in the book of life because I'm born again today. Trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. I'm so thirsty. Thank you.